Hello and welcome back to another edition of Friends of the Vine Wine Podcast. This episode, we continue our conversation with Grant Biggs, the renegade winemaker from Kelowna. We shift our conversation focus to terroir, specifically to natural wines. Let's get right into it. You've got the Golden Mile Bench now. You've got... Um, okay, okay Falls. Yeah, Okay Falls, like Naramata's up on the dock at Port, potentially. I think those are cool, but they don't mean anything unless there's like some sort of governing body making sure that those grapes are actually coming from those areas. Or, you know, like there's there's everything's planted in Naramata, and I don't necessarily think that everybody everything should be planted in Naramata. Like, I mean, you've got Merlot and Syrah and Cab Franc in Naramata. Um, I'm pr- pr- sure there's probably some Cabernet Sauvignon kicking out there too. Well, and Katie, Katie just mentioned the other day she thought there was something up to between 70 and 80 varietals kicking yeah. around in, in the Okanagan. Yeah, there 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 are about that. It's uh, I, I was at the uh, British Columbia Wine Institute. They had a um, they had a meeting uh, in Vancouver on Monday, and they were talking about you know what grape varietals BC should be focusing on. You know as as we as we get out of our infancy and try to find ourselves as a region, um, especially when we put ourselves into international markets or into international competitions that, you know, right now we're entering everything from every grape, you know, from all over the place. And what we should be doing is, uh, is, is more or less just, um, you know, focusing on what grows well here. And, and the two whites that they talked about were Riesling and Chardonnay. Yeah. Fantastic. I grow both yeah. those and uh, Syrah and Pinot Noir. And, uh, and, and I like that, you know, Cap Franc got a bit of a nod as well, but grapes like Cap Sauv, they just, they just don't ripen well enough here. As far as I've seen, they, they make interesting wines, but they don't necessarily make the best examples of, of those wines on a, on a global scale, whereas our Pinot, our Syrah, our Chardonnays and Rieslings uh, can garner global attention for what we're doing. It's funny yeah. that even as a no, as a novice, those would have been the four grape that I would have gone with myself. Like you just mentioned them, I'm I'm nodding my head in agreement because those ones for sure are the ones that I think of when I think of Okanagan wines that I uh, that I've enjoyed yeah. would be those 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 two whites and those two reds. Yeah, it's um, they just they just they grow the best up here, and you know with uh, climate change and that sort of thing, you may you may see room way down the line for other varietals and emerging growing regions like right now we're we're in the okanagan but people are growing grapes in lola wed and down in creston and you know up in kamloops and and shoe swaps and that sort of thing all over vancouver island and it's 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 an exciting time to be in the industry because i i feel like i get i have the ability in my lifetime to to kind of help dictate where BC wine ends up, and and I and I take that as a very serious responsibility because I, when I look at the wines we're making, sure I want to sell um, a lot of wine right from our cellar door, and I want to be in the best restaurants in Vancouver and Victoria, um, and you know we haven't even opened the gates to any other province in BC at this point in time. I I sell direct consumer across Canada. But um, you know, I, I I look at what I want to do, and and I want us to be 
recognized globally as a world-class producer of what we're doing. So, you know, uh, Michelin star restaurants in London, I want to be in the best restaurants in New York and in Sydney. And, and I don't, I don't think that that's a stretch. I think in today's day and age with social media, we have the ability to reach um, a greater audience. And my goal is to be able to open a direct line of communication and, uh, and, and build relationships internationally uh, through our social media. Um, our Instagram is continuing to track and, and, and get more and more followers every single day. But through our Instagram, I teach people how to grow grapes and make wine. And um, I'm really pretty transparent in, in how we're doing that. I don't, I don't hide things. Like it's like if, if something comes in and needs a half gram or a gram and a half of acid prior to ferment just to balance the wine for the finished product of what I want it to be, I'll show people how I do that. And, you know, controlling temperature and the processing of fruits and, and everything else. I think there's, there's this thirst for knowledge in, in, in people in the industry and some people make it hard to digest or can be a little bit pretentious about it. And, and I find that, you know, there's this... There's, there's room for education to be uh, easily consumable by uh, people who aren't educated in wine. When you look at where the you know wine drinkers are getting younger and the wine drinkers that have been around that where there is that stigma of pretension, they're getting older and they just they look for it's content. Content is king right now. If you're if you're producing content, you're gonna you're gonna do well. So. That's, that's what I strive to do is just, uh, you know, have, build a relationship in, in a way where other wineries aren't. It's the, our taste room closes today, and I'm not going to have people up here until April of next year. But through our stories on Instagram, I can still reach, you know, 1,000 to 1,500 or more people in a day with our doors closed, and nobody else is doing that. People in today's day and age, they want the content. They can drink the wine, but then they want to know to just have the wine is one thing but then to be able to get get invested uh in in the winemaking like you said with with your videos and people people want to know those things people want to know who's involved with making wine and you know you you want to know where where stuff's coming from and how it's done and yeah and that's i i think that's what what we're really taking to heart is is the fact that there is this story behind wine and and a lot of people, you know, want to tell people the story about their wines. And I, I'm, I want to show people the story of our wines. I don't want to tell them because, you know, there's, they've got to come here to be told that they've got to go on a website and read an about page. And there's just like, there's no like connection in for me to that. Like I don't, you know, people love, you know, these any any short little videos like I when I'm when I'm out uh, and about so you know people will be like hey you're you're the winemaker from Kitsch and I'm like yeah and then they'll be like you know like I saw you were sampling today you know you got to pick from the top middle bottom of the cluster and through the whole vineyard and to get a, a comprehensive sample and and it's just it's cool to see the reach um, that we have and, and that, that people are actually absorbing that information. And then it's, it's just, it's marketing isn't about marketing anymore. It's marketing is about engagement. Even coming on the podcast, because yeah. for me, I have followers 
in Australia. I have followers in Denmark and Austria and Spain. Uh, lots of California listeners. Yeah. And those people want to learn about the Okanagan. They want to listen about. They want to find out about BC wine. I've seen I've seen your list of people on your podcast, and you you got some bangers on there. I'm like I'm I, I look at my I look at myself being on here, and I'm just like, well, guilty by association at this point in time. Thanks for that. The wines are delicious. So thank you. I mean the the Pinot. Speaking of of wines that BC should be known for, the Pinot is delicious. I mean the Rosé. You know, you've got some pretty spectacular lineup that you're working with over there. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, like you never you never know. Like my my thing is, is I taste the fruit all the way from the vineyard, all the way through uh, processing and fermentation and 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 uh, post fermentation maceration, whether it be Pinot, um, you know, time on leaves for the whites. Uh, every racking and then right up to bottling I taste it all the time and I just have this vision of of where I want wines and to me uh, balance is everything so been picking a little bit earlier than most I'm not a huge fan of uh, alcohol in in wines um, especially if it sticks out or is disjointed but you know, balancing residual sugar as well. I like I like drier uh, wines. You know, even with Riesling, sweetest Riesling I've ever made at twenty-two point six grams of residual, but it had nine and a half grams of acid to balance that. So uh, I think it's it's just a matter of of fine tuning wines and then hoping for the best. Really, like I trust my palate. But my favorite wine could be somebody else's least favorite wine, and it just—it's—it's it's happened that um, the wines that I've made aren't people's least favorite wines. They—they they tend to be uh, on a similar um, line as I am, and I think the where I get that from is from working in retail and working in restaurants and seeing what consumers have been drinking and watching trends for the last, you know, uh, I guess it's only been a decade. 12 years, I guess, since I actually started getting into wine, but not even a decade since I was actually serious about it. Well, that, that, the, just what you said ticks all the boxes for, for myself as a consumer. I want a little lower alcohol. Uh, I, I want a little higher acid. I don't want necessarily that fruit forward. You know, you want a little drier. You want to, you want to taste what else is in the wine other than just getting hit with fruit and, and getting hit with that alcohol. You yeah. want to taste. You want to taste the backstory, shall we say? I think any time you put a, a a wine in a in a glass and you take the time to, I don't. I, I can't say that I really break apart wines too much, and like try to get down to the nitty gritty bottom of them. To me, wine isn't isn't the experience. It's supposed to enhance an experience. It's supposed to elevate an experience. So I, I never really sit down and have a wine become everything it's just a part of a dinner that i'm at or you know friday drinks or whatever it may be so i don't i don't necessarily put wine on on the pedestal or platform where other people would where they would like go into like oh what soil was this grown in or or you know like what yeast did they use or you know like what 
fucking temperature was it fermented at? I don't know. I just I I I approach each wine as its own separate entity, and and uh, there'll never be a wine that I come across now after working in the industry, no matter what that wine looks like, that I won't be able to appreciate something about the wine uh, because I know the work that goes into growing the grapes and and into making the wine, and and how much how how much connection. Uh, there has to be with a wine to get it into bottle um, from from a winemaker's point of view, from a vineyard point of view. But like, I, I don't know, I've been drinking a lot of champagne, I guess, lately because we picked our uh, Blanc de Blanc. I, I christen the press every year with some champagne. So I, I savored a bottle of 06 Dom with a hockey skate and christen the press with that. And just like a good old Canadian boy. I was going to say classic Canadiana. Yeah. And then... You know, so like I, I, I think as far as trends go, like I'm not natural wine. I think has had its time to shine, and I mean it's always going to be around. I think there's going to be people who are drawn to those styles, but there's nothing natural about winemaking, in my opinion. You're in the vineyard, you're training vines in a VSP or whatever other uh, trellising system you may be using, uh, and you know you're leaf plucking and and doing everything else in the vineyard to grow the best quality fruit and then you know when it's when it's picked your 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 hand harvesting this natural wine that you then throw into a machine to press it or through a distemmer to distem it i don't know i find i find the natural wine trend is is tough for me to get on board with yeah i've had some fantastic natural wines but i'd say a majority of them are garbage i'm just gonna i'm gonna throw that out there and probably gonna offend a lot of people but i think it's a place to hide behind faults um where volatile acidity gets too high or they become very reductive and you know there's there's some people who are like oh you know well these grapes were nature didn't efficient so they put off these off smells and it's like well if you just you know gave the juice nitrogen it wouldn't smell like shit you could actually make a wine that was enjoyable to everybody rather than this reductive again mercaptain kind of and there's and that's i mean that's a that's another that's another conversation we could we could do a whole other podcast on on because there's so many there's a place i think there's a there's a place for so many types of wines there's enough consumers in the world that want natural wine that want oaky wines there's and everything in between and yeah well, absolutely that want that want like apothic red that wants like yeah a, you know, they want they, the high acid they want the low acid they want they want their fruit they want their for wine subjective and for myself i personally i don't drink the same bottle of wine twice i taste my friends wines and my wines more than more than once but as a consumer i'll never or very very seldomly buy the same bottle of wine twice like same um producer same same wine but different vintage all the time but um i'm not a person who's going to be like oh i had this you know, last week, and I want to drink it again because it was so good last week. It's like I, I want to find the what's what else is out there. I want to I want to take my palate on a journey with wine, and I, generally, most of the time, I'm drinking with friends. I'm drinking blind. I don't I don't like knowing what I'm drinking when I'm drinking it because I think that there's this like perception of quality that people pick out of wines just based on a label or a brand and so you know i some sometimes you get the the 80 or 120 dollar bottles of wine and they're just trash 
and you're just like, why? And but it, you know, had you known who the producer was or the pedigree of the the winemaker, you you would you would look at it through rose-colored glasses and and maybe um, give it a little bit more love than it actually deserves. If you find a producer you like, and you really like that producer, I like finding out what else about that producer that he's that he's that he's got for you. Because if you yeah. like his cab or you like his whatever, then you're going to try everything else that he has. Because if you're enjoying one thing, then pretty confident that the way they're doing it is you're going to like a lot of the other stuff. Yes, I I, I agree with that. From in some regards, and in some regards, I I don't like. I think stylistically across the board, most of my wines are within the same realm of philosophy behind making, and and some of them aren't. You know, and that's and that's just based on uh, stylistically me pushing maybe the envelope in some areas uh, and just trying to get something different out of a wine than I've experienced before. And just like taking what I do in, in life and, and since I've got this job is I, I gather information from absolutely everywhere. I'll take as much viticulture information and as much winemaking information that I that I can get from from all those sources I can get it from. And then I just pave my own way with that. I kind of write my own story. So you know, not to plagiarize anything, but to take take everybody's uh, advice and inputs and it, it's, it was really interesting in that 2015 year I tasted I was I'm in part of a winemakers tasting group and there's there's 18 winemakers from up and down the valley that get together once a month and we we taste just wines that I wouldn't be able to afford and sit down and taste on my own in one sitting but when you get 18 people together then you could get into some pretty cool wines uh, when you split it up that way yeah I, I, I'd say I took a lot from from meeting with you know, the best, I would say the best winemakers in BC. And again, a guilty by association thing. I think when you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you are and, and maybe uh, more experienced than you are, that you, you just tend to rise to their level. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty careful about the people that I have in my life. Like positivity is huge for me. I don't, uh, I don't have bad days. I, I like, this year has been the year of if it's not going to affect me in five years, it's not going to affect me in five minutes. And it's amazing what that mindset does for a person when you when you look at life and opportunity to have that mindset uh, and not dwell on things that just don't matter. It's it's a pretty cool place to end up uh, mentally. And so yeah, it's it's I, I in my opinion I think I've got the best job in the world. I work for the best family in the world, and it was them I would say. Uh, that that got me to this point. They they gave me an opportunity, and uh, they're a really strong entrepreneurial background. I saw what they were doing, and you know I didn't know that I had that other um, you know gear or two or three to step into to get to where I am now. And, and maybe I didn't have them before, but in seeing how hard they push themselves and what they're able to do, uh, I was able to elevate my game to, to make sure that I was at their level. And then now I'm pushing them and we push each other back and forth. And, and the, the, the sky's the limit at this point in time. They just sold their uh, cannabis company. Yeah, that'll that'll pave the way for us to do a lot of things, yeah. and and not and not just locally. We've been we've been looking into properties in France and that sort of thing at this cool. point in time. So, like when I say that we're gonna take over the the global world of wine and become internationally known for what we're doing, I I firmly believe that. Like I'm not here to to be a 
a local Kelowna celebrity. Uh, yeah. It is really nice. I do really enjoy it, but um, I've got a I've got a bigger picture in mind right now. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're very very welcome. Hey, and I, I really appreciate you having me on. And anytime you want to do this, if you want to, if you're ever up in the hood, or if you want to check in uh, throughout Harvest and see how things are going, I'd I love that. I think we're going to leave it there for now. Thanks for listening. For more wine conversation and podcast updates, you can follow us on Instagram at Ian's Wine Truths. Check out our website for great photos of our guests, friendsofthevine.podbean.com. Take care. Have a glass for me.